good to be in God's house this morning. It's good to hear that rain falling. We are still continuing on in our study of Revelation, but we are not going to be in the book of Revelation today. Well, we may hit it some here and there, but uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, toward the end of the book of 1 Thessalonians. That's toward the back of the New Testament. So if you find a book that's got uh, a T in its name, they're all right there together. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Timothy and Titus. So if you find one T, you're close to the right spot. Well, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 13, and uh, we're going to read on a little further into uh, chapter 5, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit. We're not going to really uh, dig too deep in these verses, but they are going to kind of set the tone for uh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, we just finished up the seven churches last week. We finished up uh, the final church. Uh, hopefully, we were able to see some things in those churches, some areas that we're doing good so that we can get some encouragement. Uh, if there were some areas in our life that we were sending, some things that as individuals as a church that, that we may be going in the wrong direction as some of those churches were, uh, that the Holy Spirit would reveal that stuff to us, that those, that those words that were uttered by Jesus at the end of each of those letters, uh, those who have an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to us uh, to the not just the ears of our head, but the ears of our heart. Uh, that it would go deep, that we would see what God wanted us to learn. The first part of the book of Revelation is probably uh, the easiest part. Uh, at the beginning, the first chapter, we see uh, that John is on the island of Patmos. Uh, Jesus comes to him with this message uh, of what he's supposed to, to, to write to these seven churches. He writes these letters to the churches that were physical, literal churches of John's day. And then after, after the end of chapter 3, as we get into chapter 4, there are 10 million views of different things that go on Revelation. It, it never fails. Every day I read a different twist or a different view of something uh, than what I've read before. There's no shortage of opinions on some of the different views of the book of Revelation. We talked about some of these different titles, futurist and, and preterist and idealist and all these words that you guys don't necessarily need to know uh, but all these different views, these are some of the main ones, and that is that everything that we're going to see from this point forward in, in Revelation chapter 4, if you're a futurist, are things that are going to happen in the future. Some would say that these things have already happened, uh, that everything in there was accomplished by 70 A.D., uh, just a few years after Jesus died. All these things have already happened. You can find some good uh, proof for all of these things. You can find uh, events that happen that really match up closely with a lot that we're going to see in the book of Revelation. Some, the idealists, believe that it's not talking about anything that's physically going to happen, not anything that has happened or will, but just takes a look at good and evil as a whole. That, uh, that, that, that This is just talking about that ultimately good will win and evil will lose, and that these things aren't literal physical things. There's no shortage of views. I would say most of us probably fall within those first couple that I mentioned. Uh, and the typical view that's widely held today is the futurist view, and that is that uh, the, the letters to the churches, that's already happened, but most of this prophecy are things that are going to happen uh, in the future. If you don't hold that view, it's okay. As long as you hold the view that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and one day will return, we are all on the same page. We don't have to agree on the details, but we do have to agree on the foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. That's what it's a book about. Jesus Christ is coming back. And so, as we begin to dig into these verses as in the next few months, we are going to come across some stuff 
uh, that we're just not going to understand very good. There's going to be some of it that makes sense. There's going to be some of it uh, that doesn't make sense. But one thing that we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about something called the rapture. Now, you don't see that word listed anywhere in Scripture. Uh, if you grew up in church, you heard the word rapture a lot. What is the rapture? Well, that's when Jesus is going to come back and He's going to take His children off of this earth and we're going to go back to be with God. If you're not familiar with the term rapture, that's what it means. That's what it's talking about. Uh, when Jesus brings those who are His, both the dead in Christ, that is those who have died who were Christians who had put their faith in Christ Jesus, and those of us who are still alive, if, if, if that return happens to be while we're still on this earth. The question I don't think really is, is there a rapture? I think that we would all agree, just by reading Scripture, that there is no doubt coming a day that Jesus is going to come back for His people. Praise the Lord. The big question, and a really difficult question, that we see in God's Word, that we have to ask, is when... Is that going to happen? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. This is Paul talking to the, 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 the Thessalonians here. And it would appear as though maybe there was some question or doubt into their minds as to what happened to those people who were in Christ who had already died. What would happen if Jesus came back? Those people are in the grave. What's going to happen to them? So it's very likely that Paul was just given some encouragement and comfort, one, to tell the people to look for Christ, he is coming back, and two, that those who died in him will be just as well off as those of us who are still alive when the day comes that Jesus returns. So that kind of uh, sets the, the tone for us as we read these verses. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, that is, those who are dead so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. About the times and the seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them, like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the dark for this day to overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. For those who sleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. 
For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning with just a million thoughts going through my brain, dear Lord. I have, I have read and studied, God. There are so many things that are, that are on my heart and mind today, God. I don't even know what to speak. But let your Spirit tell me what to speak to your people, God. Let your people hear your word today that we would look forward to that hope of your return, Lord Jesus. Help us not to leave here confused, God, but help us to leave here standing firm on Jesus Christ and what he did for us. God, I just thank you that we can come here today, God. It's not about what I say or how good I sound, God. It is for your glory. So I pray that you would take my pride, that you would humble me, that you would humble each of us, God, to hear your word, that you would take away the distractions, and that you would receive the glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. As we see from these verses, it's almost undebatable. Maybe somebody will debate if you want to. We can debate after church. But I'm going to say it's undebatable the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return and that those are in him, who are in Him will be taken up when that day comes. Now, we don't know when that day is going to be, but we do have the hope that if we are in Jesus Christ that we will be taken to a better place. We see that clearly here. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We see that throughout God's Word. We see that Jesus told His disciples He was coming back. There's no question in my mind, and hopefully none of yours, as to whether Jesus Christ is coming back. We have a hope. Paul said that we don't have to mourn or be afraid like those who don't have hope, like those who don't have Christ, because we have hope. We have hope that this life is not the end. We don't have to mourn at a funeral. While we do mourn because there is sadness there, for those of us who are in Christ and we know our loved one is in Christ, there is a certain peace and a certain joy that is there. It's not that the sadness completely leaves. It's not that there aren't hard days or tough times. But we rest in the fact and we have joy in the fact and hope in the fact that we will one day see those who are in Christ again. This verse gives us hope of that. Paul says, we have hope because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus died and rose from the grave, if we put our faith and trust in Him, we who are in Christ share in the same victory over death that Jesus did. So we have nothing to be afraid of. We have a hope that we can know that whether we are dead when Jesus returns or whether we are alive when Jesus returns, we will be with Him in glory. And there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache, no more hard times. There will be no more anything. And Paul says, be ready. Paul says, be alert. Paul says, there are some who are not alert. Paul says, there are some who are not ready. Those who live in the dark don't know. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what to look for anything. They don't even believe that Jesus is coming. So why do they care what any of this stuff says? But those of us who are in Christ, who are in the light, we have a promise that Jesus Christ is going to return. Jesus himself tells us in great detail in Matthew 24 things to be on the lookout for. That when these things begin to happen, you better look out because the end is near. Now, we don't know the day or the hour, and I will never, hopefully, ever attempt to tell you a day or an hour. And if I do, don't listen to me because it's a lie from Satan. We don't know the day or the hour. If somebody tells you they know when Jesus is coming back, they're a lie. That's not of God. 
Only the Father himself knows. We see that in Scripture. We have seen no shortage of people throughout the history of the world who have proclaimed the day that Jesus is going to come back. Even in my lifetime, I remember two or three dates that were proclaimed that Jesus was going to come back. And these people uh, got rid of everything and sold everything and they just waited for the Lord. Well, guess what? He ain't come back. And you say, well, are you sure? I'm sure. Because you're going to know when he comes back. It won't be a shadow of a doubt in your mind when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. Do not be deceived. We see that in the, in the text. that in, Toward the end times that there will come many who will be saying that they're Jesus, who will be proclaiming that the Messiah is in the wilderness. Don't listen to them. Because when Jesus comes back, you'll know. And you say, how am I going to know? I don't know. But I guarantee you, you're going to know. It won't be a doubt in your mind as to whether or not Jesus Christ has returned to this earth. And so we need to be ready. That time could be very soon. But the question that is raised is, when will Jesus return? I don't know. When will the rapture happen? When will the rapture occur? That's the, that's the, that's the million dollar question today. I don't know. Now, I, I, I know growing up in the church, I was taught that, that, that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation. I believe that to be true. We see that in the book of Daniel. It's kind of some confusing stuff about 69 weeks and, and 70 weeks, and the last week will be split in half. It's kind of difficult to understand, but it's there. If you read it, it's there. It talks about seven years. There's going to be some tribulation. There's going to be some hard times at the end of times. It's going to get really bad. Now, most of you were probably taught, as I was, that, that we will be raptured up before the things get really bad, before this tribulation breaks out, that Jesus Christ will come and those who are in Him will be raptured up to heaven and we won't have to experience the things of the tribulation. We won't have to experience these really, really bad times. And that may be true. That's, that's, that's one view. That's probably the most widely held view. I would say probably 70% of Christians, that's just a, a guess just based on the numerous articles and, and things that I've read, I would say 70% of the views that I read, most people hold that view. And that may very well be the view. That may very well be the thing that's going to happen. I know some people that say, well, I don't understand Revelation, and I know it's going to be really bad, and I know the end time's going to be tough, but it's not going to matter to me because I'm going to be long gone, so I ain't going to have to worry about that. What I want to tell you today is something that may be different to you, and it may not happen this way, but I believe after reading the text and reading the text and reading the text, I believe that there is a good chance that we who are in Christ may be here for some of these things that happen. Some of you are saying, oh, wait a minute now. Now, we're not questioning the fact of whether Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for His church. But what my biggest fear is for those of us who are in Christ is that we are not prepared for what may take place. And you're saying, I don't believe it. I don't care what you say. I believe we're going to be taken up before. And you may be right. If you are, then that's good. You can explain it to me on the way up if we're raptured up before the tribulation. But I think as Christians, we need to at least look at the text. Because for years I was told, we're going to be raptured up before the tribulation. We're going to be raptured up before the tribulation. And that may very well be the case. But as I begin to read the text... I begin to see a lot of red flags and a lot of things that come up that make me think that there is a chance, a good chance, that what if as Christians we are still here through the tribulation? Are we prepared? Are we living in the tribulation right now? 
We could be. We could be. Now Paul addresses the people of, of Thessalonica and 2 Thessalonians where they were believing that, that maybe the end had come and Paul assures them the end hadn't come because he says two things must happen before the end comes. He says there will be a falling away of many and the son of perdition, that is the Antichrist, will be revealed. He says those two things that will happen. There will be a falling away of many and the person who is the Antichrist will be revealed. Well, as of this point in time, I don't think any of us know who the Antichrist is. Now, there's plenty of theories. I see people and hear people all the time telling me who the Antichrist is. They may, may, may or may not be right. At this point in time, we don't know who the Antichrist is, but we do know that there is one coming who the Bible in Revelation refers to as the Antichrist. The one who comes and promises to bring peace on the earth. The one who comes to bring good times and all is going to be well and everything's going to be happy. And he deceives many. Do not be deceived, church. When Jesus comes, you will know for sure. We won't be sitting around here saying, Oh, you know that guy that I saw on the news the other day? I think he may be Jesus. There won't be any of that. When Jesus returns, you'll know that you know that you know that you know. But there will be many who will be deceived. There will be many who will fall away. Because there will come a man, and I imagine he will look good, and he will sound good, and he will say the right things, so much so that the whole world listens to what he says. And he will deceive many. And for a little while, he'll do good. And then he'll, he'll perform the, the desolation of abomination in the temple. And then things are going to get bad. Now, if we go and read Matthew chapter 24, we see a lot of things there. Flip with me, if you would. Matthew chapter 24. Now, I want you to go back and read this stuff, too, on your own time. I want you to read the book of Revelation. There's a lot of people that don't read the book of Revelation that just go by what they're told. And they may be told right, or they may not be told right. But I encourage you guys to read the book of Revelation. I know it's difficult and hard to understand, but pray that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand better what God's Word says concerning the end times. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus' disciples are asking him, how do we know when the end's going to come? Now this is a long passage we're going to read. Just, just bear with me. Just hang in there. The devil's going to try to get you distracted, but it's going to be all right. We're going we're to make it through this. Uh, he, the disciples asked Jesus, how do we know what to look for when the end time draws near? And this is what Jesus tells them. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us then, will these things happen? Excuse me, tell us then, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? In verse 4, Then Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of birth pains. Let's stop there for a second. Now, if you go and read in Revelation chapter, 
6, you will see these things that Jesus mentioned are the things that I believe represent the beginning of the tribulation. We see one riding in on a white horse, which I believe is the Antichrist. We see famines. We see earthquakes. We see all of these things that these seals that we're going to study over the coming weeks are open. We see these things begin to take place. Is it possible that we're getting close to the tribulation? Is it possible that the tribulation's already begun? Is it possible that the Antichrist is already in the world and that there will be a day soon that he will be revealed? It's possible. It's very possible that, that, that the Antichrist is already on this earth and that there will be a day soon, maybe not, maybe, two, maybe 100 years from now, I may be wrong, that the Antichrist will be revealed. But these things will happen as it begins to draw near to the end of the age. I believe we see many of these things, all of these things, happening in this day and age in our life. Verse 9. Then they will hand you over for persecution, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now look, Jesus doesn't say it's going to be easy. He says in the end times that those of us who are Christians are going to face persecution, are going to be killed. Do we see that in our world today? Do we see Christians being persecuted all around the world? Whether it be a kid in school who is being mocked by a Muslim classmate, whether it be someone who is preaching the gospel in another country who is being beheaded, you see that in our world all the time. You don't have to search the internet very far to find the story of some Christian whose life was taken. Fifty years ago, 75 years ago, if somebody said, oh, that's going to be happening rampantly all around the world, you'd say, oh, well, you're just crazy. But in this day and age, sadly, it doesn't surprise us when we hear these stories. Uh, the killing of, uh, of Christians has become so common, it's pretty disheartening. And we need to pray for those who are in prison. We need to pray for those Christians who are, who are out there doing God's work that are suffering, that are, that are going through hard times. Jesus says this is exactly what's going to happen when the end comes. Let's read a little further. Verse 10. Then many will take offense, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because lawlessness will multiply and the love of many will grow cold. Same thing that Paul said to the people in, in 2 Thessalonians, that there will be a falling away of many. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now that's pretty intense, that God's word will be spread to all the nations. I, I was reading that verse and, and just thinking, you know, Brother Sonny and myself, here we're going. We're going to hand out God's Word. We're going to proclaim the Gospel. And Jesus says, this is exactly what's going to be going on in the end. Now, people have been doing this for thousands of years before Brother Sonny and me are going to Haiti. And, and if the Lord don't come back, people will keep doing it for years and years to come. But there aren't many people left in this world, many people groups that have not received God's Word. There are some languages that are still being uh, interpreted that people are trying to learn to interpret God's Word. But it's unbelievable over the last 20, 30 years how many people groups that weren't reached, that had some odd language, have begun to be reached. It's pretty phenomenal. 
Some would say, uh, I, read a, I read a figure the other day. I don't remember the, the year, so I'm not going to tell you. But it was some figure. It was like, you know, within, within five or ten years that, that this group believed that the Bible would be translated into every language that's still not translated into. That's pretty phenomenal. That in five to ten years that every single language, even the most obscure, that God's Word could be translated into it and missionaries could go uh, and be able to teach and preach the Word of God. Jesus says that's what's going to happen when the end comes, that all, the, uh, all people will hear God's Word. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his clothes. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For at that time there will be great tribulation, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were limited, no one will, excuse me, no one would survive. But those days will be limited because of the elect. The elect being us, the elect being those of us who are elected, those of us who are chosen, those of us who have chosen Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Those are the elect there. If anyone tells you then, look, here's the Messiah, or over there, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now these two verses that talk about the elect, that the days of the great tribulation are going to be shortened because of the elect, that is those who are in Christ. It says that, that these, these false prophets and Messiah would even be able to lead the elect, the Christian, astray if it were possible. There's going to be some Christians there, obviously, that, that could have been led astray, although they are not. Take note, I have told you in advance, so if they tell you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You ever seen it lightning before? When it lightens, it lightens up the whole sky. I believe that's what it'll be like when Jesus comes back. It's going to be something that, that even though the curvature of the earth and there's some people on the bottom side and some people on the top side and some people on the east and west side, I believe that when Jesus comes back, we're all going to see him. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't have a clue what that's going to look like. But he's all-powerful. He can do it. We're going to know when Jesus comes back. He goes on to say, wherever the carcass is there, the vultures will gather. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light the stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. This is after the tribulation. These things all happen after the tribulation that, that Jesus will, with a, with a trump, send out his angels to gather the elect. 
Now, if you read Matthew 24 and you read uh, Revelation chapter uh, 6, you see a lot of these things lining up. You see a lot of things take place. But we as Christians need to be ready. I could point out scriptures to you that, that point toward a pre-tribulation rapture, that is, that we will be gone before the tribulation. I can point out scriptures uh, that, that point to you that, make it, uh, that, that, that would make you think that maybe we're going to be here after the tribulation. There are scriptures that point to the fact that, that maybe we're going to be raptured up in the middle of the tribulation. I have studied and read and read. You guys, I couldn't even tell you how many things I've read in Scripture and prayed over the last few months trying to figure out, God, just help me know when it's going to be so I can tell them without a shadow of a doubt. I don't know. I may be a bad preacher. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be. It may be before the tribulation. It may be after the tribulation. If it's before, then praise the Lord. We won't have to go through anything. That will be awesome. I said you could tell me on the way up, I won't care. It won't make me a bit of difference. But we need to be ready. Because there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some hard times that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to bring on this world. And we may not be here, but we may. And I don't want us to be asleep. I don't want us to be unaware. I don't want us to be unprepared if we should have to make it through some difficult times. I want us to be ready for whatever may come our way. Now if you read in the book of Revelation, as we will, you're going to see that after, after chapter 6, after the sixth seal is open, you're going to see that there is a, a great multitude in heaven that John can't even number. You're going to see that there's 144,000 that are sealed by God. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. You're going to see that after that, immediately after that, as the seventh seal is open, you're going to see these three woes. You're going to see that for, I believe it's 30 minutes in heaven, that there is complete silence. Because God's wrath is about to be poured out on humanity. That's when it gets bad. The Antichrist can do some things. He can bring some bad times. He can make it difficult. We're going to have to face some persecutions, even, even possibly being killed. We face that in this day and age now. Even if we're not in tribulation, we still face those things as that time draws near. But what we see where it gets really intense and really scary in the book of Revelation is when God begins to pour His wrath out on the earth. Now, God is a, is a loving and just God. I've heard Brother Ernie say that a million times, and then he follows it up by saying, but God is a God of wrath. God is a God who desires to give you grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, but if you refuse all of His grace and mercy, then you will receive all of His wrath. Now, I don't know when that we will be raptured up, church, but I know this. Turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's what I know. That no matter how bad it may be of the Antichrist, no matter how bad things may get in the end time, when it gets really bad and God begins to pour His wrath on the earth, we'll be spared from that. We see that in God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I should have told you to keep your, keep your spot there. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God did not 
destined us for wrath. He did not appoint us to wrath. He appointed us to grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. I don't know when we'll be taken up, but I know that when things get bad, I don't know if we'll still be on the earth. I don't know if we'll be taken out of the earth, but I know that we'll be protected. Because we won't have to suffer God's wrath. Because God's wrath are for those who have rejected Jesus Christ. God's wrath is for those who have, who have rejected God's grace. It is not for the Christian. So when that time comes, whether we are in heaven or whether we are on this earth, I believe we will be protected. Because I don't believe as Christians we will experience God's wrath because it says right here that we won't. God's Word tells us otherwise. Now I don't know where you stand today. I don't know if you've accepted that grace and mercy or not. But there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return. I don't know when that day is, but He's coming. He's coming back for those who are His. And Jesus is going to take care of those who are His. And we won't have to face the harm of this wrath that is coming. But if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, if you haven't accepted that grace and mercy, then the wrath is all you have to look forward to. Maybe you're saying, I don't know about all this stuff. It's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Go read the end of Revelation. You start seeing God's wrath poured out on a sinful humanity. You start seeing the things that take place. Look out. Be ready, church. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then don't delay. Be ready, church, if, if we have to endure some hard times. I pray we don't. I hope we don't. Those of you who hold a preacher of you, I hope you're right. But if we do, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for what may come our way. Do not be deceived. There will be many wolves in sheep's clothing. They will talk a good talk. They will say good things. They will promise you the world. They will promise peace. But we can only find peace through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when He comes, you'll know it without a shadow of a doubt. Church, do not be deceived. Stand on that foundation of Jesus Christ. There's some scary stuff in the book of Revelation. It talks about the Antichrist. It talks about God's wrath. But we are going to talk about Jesus Christ because it's a book about Jesus Christ. And if we're in Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about the Antichrist. If we're in Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about God's wrath. I don't know where you stand today. I don't know what your foundation's been built on. But I ask you today to build that foundation on Jesus Christ so that you can experience the grace and be spared the wrath. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning and I thank you for your words, dear Lord. We talked about some heavy stuff today, some deep stuff. God, we know your word's not meant to confuse, but sometimes when we see scriptures that seem like they contradict God, and they don't, we just don't understand them. And so I pray that you would help us to understand God. I pray that you would uh, be with us no matter what may come our way, God. If you take us up before, before things get bad, then praise the Lord, God. If, you, if you're going to have us here through this, then, then, then put that on our hearts that we begin to be prepared so that we aren't deceived. God, I pray for a lost and dying world that we'd be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, God. That we, we as Christians would do our part, that we'd be about your work, that we would be on mission for you, Lord Jesus. I pray that if there's one in this room today that has not accepted you, dear Lord, that they would come to you today, that they would accept what Jesus did on the cross, that they would accept that grace and that mercy, 
God, if our foundation, if we've started building other stuff on our foundation of Jesus and for Christians, that we would just take all that stuff away. The stuff, stuff that doesn't matter, the stuff that gets us sidetracked, God, that we would be ready to stand firm for you in any and every situation. I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.